Hello everyone, this is Tracy and I am your host on the Visible at Work podcast. Subscribe to hear a weekly dose of actionable insights from me with my decade experience working with multicultural teams across Europe, the Middle East, Africa and North America. You also hear down-to-earth interviews with culturally diverse people who have succeeded to remain visible at work, irrespective of adjusting to different countries, work cultures and people. You don't want to miss this. First, my first attempt at the NCA exam, I failed. I haven't spoken about this. I only spoke about, you know, my bar exam. My first attempt, I failed. I thought it was like the Nigeria system, you know. Hi, everyone. So on today's episode, I have a wonderful guest who is a lawyer and had to recertify in a new country. So if you're thinking about moving to a different location and you have to move to a specialized industry or you've been in a specialized industry and you have, I think this guest story would really inspire. Her name is Moya Sore Balogun. She's a Nigerian lawyer and she moved to Ontario, province of Ontario in Canada. So she was licensed to practice in Nigeria, and funny enough, she was called to the Nigerian bar at age 21, and then got called to the Ontario bar at age 23. She currently acts as a solicitor, counsel, and advisor at the City of London, London. She has appeared before the Ontario Court of Justice, and she has also appeared before the Supreme Court of Justice, and she has received her Master's of Law from the University of Toronto. She's very passionate about wrongful convictions, especially in Nigeria. And when she's not practicing law, Moyo enjoys researching about wrongful convictions once again, writing articles that people can resonate with, listening to audiobooks, and spending time with family and friends. Her recent passion is also to help other internationally trained lawyers cross the hurdle of getting licensed in Canada after she also went through that journey. So Moyo, thank you so much for being our guest today on the podcast. Great to have you here. Thank you very much, Tracy, for having me on your podcast. I'm very excited to be here. Very excited about this. Yeah. So, Moya, I'm so proud of you. You know, at a very young age, you've been able to decide for yourself that you want to get this certification to be able to practice law, both in your home country and also in Canada. So walk us through that journey. Was that the first plan for you when you moved to Canada to get be able to practice or you just wanted to get your master's and then go back? How did that plan out in your mind? Just take us through that journey. Mm, okay, thank you very much, Tracy, once again. Actually, this wasn't my first plan. This was not my first plan at all. Um, I went to university in Nigeria, I studied law, and then I went to the Nigerian law school because that was the next step. And I remember when I was almost done at the Nigerian law school, I had a conversation with my parents. They were like, okay, now that you're almost done, what's the next step? Do you want to get master's? Do you want to get PhD? And I'm from a family of educators. My uh, parents are professors, so they they expect that, okay, once you're done, you know, master's, PhD is supposed to be the next step. So I said, I'll do a master's, you know. So I um, just searched best law schools in Canada and then U of T came up and a few other law schools as well came up. I chose Canada because I have a brother in Canada. So that was um it was that was the first country that came to mind. So U of T came up and I applied. I applied to U of T and a few other schools and I got in and then once I was done at the Nigerian law school I packed my bags, came to Canada, you know, and I stayed in my master's degree. And my master's program was for a year, a year and a few months. And when I was almost done, I had to sit down 
and have that difficult conversation with myself again. So now that I'm almost done, do I want to go back to Nigeria or do I want to, you know, stay back here and practice? And I had to, I had a few conversations with, you know, some people who are already in the system, you know, just to seek advice and hear what they had to say. And uh, to, unfortunately, I got, you know, a lot of negative comments and a lot of negative advice. I remember having a conversation with one of my professors. We just finished class you know, and I was very excited to tell her about my plans. I was like, oh, I plan to, you know, stay back here, write the NC exam. So the NC exam is an exam that internationally trained lawyers have to write before they can get um, called to the bar in Ontario. So I told her about all my plans and everything. And she, you know, she sat me down and she was like, Moyo, Moyo, how do I explain this to you? I don't think that's a good plan. I don't think that's a good decision. I think you should, you know, go back to Nigeria where you're from. I don't think think you can comprehend the materials you know these exams are very hard it might take you three to five years trying to complete it they are also very expensive you don't uh -huh. know anybody here you know she I, I don't know where she was coming from it's actually very difficult and expensive but you know she said that and I I had to think you know do I really want to do this do I really want to do I really want to stay back here and practice so Moya you, you had to make that decision for yourself so just walk me through so does that mean like like you know you came in for the masters that was your previous plan just have your masters yes. and that means even if you have the masters you still can't practice no you still here can't. in canada yes no. so you had to decide if you wanted to stay back double yes. down get the certification mm -hmm. be able to practice to be able to even be called to bar before you yes. can even practice Yes, exactly. Uh, and every province is different. So in the province of Ontario, you have to do that. Yes, and you were able to do that within a year, right? No, no. Okay, so. so I I got in 2016. That was when I came, September 2016. And okay. I finished my master's, I think March 2018. That was when okay. I finished my master's. But I had started writing the NT exams while I was doing my master's. So I Whoa. started, yes, because I wanted to I wanted <laughs> get to it over with. <laughs> yes, so I started writing the NT exams in 2017 i think september 2017 yes and so i started in 2017 and finished in 2019 so let's say a year and a few months so how did you how did you because is the the cost of material is definitely going to be way different from uh, yes. the theory aspect of a master's degree and yeah. uh, you know trying to practice that law getting that certification mm -hmm. so how were you able to compartmentalize and say okay this is schoolwork and then this is <laughs> the NCA exam how did you do that actually it was very difficult for me because i was I was doing that schoolwork. I was working by the side as a legal assistant at some law firm. And I was also doing that. And the first, my first attempt at the NCA exam, I failed. <laughs> I haven't spoken about this. I only spoke about, you know, my bar exam. My first attempt, I failed. I thought it was like the Nigeria system. You know, in Nigeria, we just, we cram, cram, cram. <laughs> you know, and we just point that, man. And these exams are open book exams. So that was the first time I had to write an open book exam, which was very different. So that's worse. Exactly. I didn't even know, you know, I thought it was all about cramming. I had the materials in front of me and I still failed. Like, I didn't even understand how that could happen so it was yeah I failed at my first attempt so I had to say okay what is going on you know seek help meet people and unfortunately they don't have classes you know they don't have um schools that you can attend so you said you you did the exam mm -hmm. the first time you wrote it you failed the exam yes 
And then you took a step back and said, no, I have to change my strategy. <laughs> so you were not even planning on trying again, and which is good because sometimes we get so hooked on, we want to get it right the first try and it must be the way that we want it to be. But life doesn't happen that way. So what did you do? You know, you, you mentioned that they didn't really have you didn't really have access to be able to like group study. I think that's what you were looking for. So yes. how were you able to combat that and manage your time usefully to rewrite the exam while so, still working and still going to school? One thing I had to learn was you know seek for help when you need help. You know um, I've always been used to doing things myself. I don't like delegating things to people, but I had to seek for help. Uh, they have groups on Facebook, so I went on Facebook, joined groups, and I found out that people people were struggling as well. you know people were going through the same thing that I was going through. People had written the exams five times, Tracy, you know, or like so many times. So I was like, okay. I'm not alone in this journey. There are other people out there who have failed. So I'm absolutely normal, you know. And then I reached out to them and then they helped me. So I reached out to people. I seeked um, help from people, you know, and I was able to accept whatever help they they had to offer me. Okay. Okay, that's great. And um, so because of the time frame within when you were called to the Nigerian bar, so that means you were not able to, like, were you able to full-on practice law in Nigeria at some point or even go to the court? Um, no, no. Okay. But there's definitely, you definitely no, notice the difference in terms of uh, expectations and all. Would you share that? Yes, Tracy. Yeah. So I didn't practice law in Nigeria because I came, like, immediately after I was done but I worked at a Nigerian law firm in Toronto so I worked as a legal assistant uh, Nigerian law firm in Toronto and so that was the only you know experience I had I didn't work in Nigeria but I worked with Nigerians so I have you know um, some form of experience when it comes to that and when I was in Nigeria as well I did um, summer internships I had to do my externship as well at the Nigerian law school. So you just work okay. for like three months or two months, you know, before you, before you return back to school. So those, those experiences I had, and they were very different. So I'll give you an example. When I worked at this Nigerian law firm in Toronto, first of all, I'm very thankful for the experience that I got. You know, I, that, that, that gave me a Canadian working experience. But when I first came, I was in work. I didn't know how things were operating, you know, in Canada. And yeah. I would always... To, um, call my bosses sir yes sir yes ma you know and then sometimes when i address them i would maybe bow <laughs> when i gave them a document or something i would bow say yes ma yes sir and then i noticed that because i know this is how things work in nigeria as well maybe not everywhere in nigeria but when i also summarized in nigeria these things were very normal like saying yes ma yes sir you know as an intern i got sent to go and buy rice on the streets you know <laughs> i got sent to go and buy something for some of the lawyers at work as well and unfortunately the same thing happened you know at this nigerian law firm as well you know working as a legal assistant i remember one day um one of the lawyers came in and he was like ah, ah this place has not been swept though what's what's happening here and then he looked at me was like ah, you are the you are, you are a female you know <laughs> exactly you know asking me to sweep because i'm, I'm female you know I, I wasn't really i didn't think that could happen here as well and there was another time when one of the lawyers wanted me to microwave his asked me to um put his food in the microwave as well you know all these very unprofessional stuff because <laughs> i guess because you're a newbie so 
<laughs> they knew that you didn't really know the ups and downs they tried to take advantage of you and that, that's also part of why you know this podcast is there because it's, it's a podcast about after you get the job a lot of people concentrate on just getting that job once they come to a different country or move but there's so many nuances attached to working in a different location that has to do with your leadership skills your people management skills how do you tell someone no in a polite way and still be assertive and still get them to take you seriously how do you, how do you get buying all those things you're not taught in school That's and true. even if you were taught somehow or you were able to handle that in your mm-hmm. location when you come to a different country it's totally different and nobody's going to tell you and nobody's going to help you figure it out for yourself mm-hmm. you have to figure it out for yourself so i guess <laughs> you learned your lessons and your dues you paid your dues I see the huge difference. So now that you work with the city, Moya, tell us how that experience has been for you. <laughs> so um, the, the first thing I noticed was that I'm being treated like a professional, you know. It doesn't matter if I'm the youngest lawyer there. I'm being treated the same way, you know, the city solicitor is being treated as well. Everybody respects you. So far you get your job done, you know, so far you get your job done on, uh, in time and you do what you're supposed to do. Everyone respects you. And, and I like it. I, I do. I yes, do enjoy uh, mutual it. respect. Yes. And uh, which is very necessary. You know, yes. So you can focus on your productivity and your performance. Exactly. And um, results, I always tell people results are universal. Every yes. other thing is attached, you know, but the results, when you deliver on results, no one can deny the results of your work that you bring. Mm-hmm. So were you able to get in touch with your professor who said, you know, you won't be able to deal with the materials <laughs> and how you're able to get your certification in a year and a half? you reach out to her no no i don't know i told someone the story and the person was like you should go back to school and call her like no 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 you you well i think you can not not in a way to spite her but she would even be proud of you because Mm -hmm. i know a lot of people who try to recertify and it takes them a long time one the resources are not even available Mm -hmm. or you have the resources but because you're working so hard to, you know, to make up, to be able to pay the bills and stuff, you're not concentrating fully and then you're not passing the exam and then you have to write it again. And that cycle continues for like, you know, maybe a year to three to five years. So it's pretty hard. And I, I understand the pace that she's coming from saying um, it might be really hard to get a grasp of at once. But considering that, you know, with your age, being young and fresh out of school is also an advantage because... Mm-hmm. You, it's always good sometimes when you don't know certain things because it makes you just soak up things like a sponge and you're more open-minded. Sometimes when we know too much, <laughs> they're telling you do it like this and you're like, no, I want to do it this way. This is how I'm doing it. And then it doesn't pay off for you. So there's still advantages to that. So you can still reach out to her, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes. I'll, yeah. I'll think about it. <laughs> <laughs> so Moya, tell me about your YouTube channel. Because, you know, you said you're very passionate about helping other internationally trained lawyers to recertify in Canada, mm-hmm. specifically for your own province in Ontario. And yeah. now that you have a lot of experience with that and you're also working with a city, how has that been for you? What inspired you to start the YouTube channel. Honestly, it's been very, very scary. Like putting myself out there. I'm not I'm a very conservative person. So I was very scared about putting myself out there. But I kept getting a lot of 
questions from different people. You know, how can I recertify or requalify as a lawyer here? How do I get into grad school? You know, people were asking me so many questions and people were asking me the same question. And since it was, it's not possible for me to respond to everybody. So I decided to, you know, let me just start a YouTube channel. So the, the information is there. So everybody can see it. You know, if you ask me that question, I'll direct you to the channel, go and watch it, you know, and just to help people, honestly, because when, um, when I was doing my, um, when I was requalifying, there were not a lot of resources out there, you know, people were hoarding information. So you had to, you know, talk to this person and talk to that person. So I'm just trying to make it easier, honestly, for people who are trying to requalify and move here as well. I'm trying to make it easier for them. And just to answer their questions, that's, that's, well done. Oh, that's so nice of you. Well done. It's very good because, you know, information is power. When you have information, then you can make better choices. It's that's a lot true. easier to, you know, to take decisions based on the information that you have. That's and, true. Um, what advice would you give, like, for anybody trying to recertify? Maybe, they're, you know, you are a lawyer. So maybe for someone in medicine, because a lot of people, too, have to recertify with that. A lot of specialized industries what advice would you give mm, so the first thing i would say is don't listen to negative comments honestly because people would always have something to say people always talk so don't listen you know pick out the comments you would listen to you know don't listen to people who are telling you, you can't do it it's impossible just drop that and i know this might also sound very cliche but just don't give up just keep doing it. Even if you do it for five, just keep pushing it. One day you will, you know, get qualified and you will, you'll be happy that you kept at it. So just keep doing it. Don't give up. And um, I think the last thing I would say is put yourself out there, you know, go for networking events, join a club, do something, you know, get out of your comfort zone. I joined Toastmasters. I'm a member of Toastmasters. And ah, if anyone ever told me you would join Toastmasters, I would have said no, you know, giving speeches every Thursday. It's very, it's not, com it's not comfortable, but, you know, doing it, I see myself getting better and being a better speaker. So just, you know, go out of your comfort zone and do things that would um, make you be a better person. And the last thing is, I'm a Christian, so I always put God first in everything. And, you know, this as well is not an exception. So those are all the, all the things I have to say. Thank you so much, Moyo. I really enjoyed, you know, getting an insight into how you're able to get your recertification so fast. I'm so proud of you. I feel like I know you personally. <laughs> so, so proud of you. When I saw your story, I was like, well, I have to bring you on this podcast to ask, how did you do it in such a short time? And I'm really, really proud of you hearing your story. And I know that very soon, you know, in the near future, we'll be hearing stories on how you're really going to turn around situations about wrongful convictions in Nigeria and also globally as well. So it was good sharing your story. Thank so you. So you heard it from Moyo. Where can we find you, Moyo? I know I think you're active on LinkedIn, right? Yeah, I'm active on LinkedIn. My name is Moyo Sore Balogo on LinkedIn. And for the new YouTube channel that I started, the channel is called Ask Mo. Ask okay. Mo. Yes. So you heard it guys. Her channel is Ask Mo. You can find her on LinkedIn as well, Moyo Sore Balogo. And if you're a lawyer trying to recertify, please reach out to Moyo. And remember, guys, communication is a superpower to remain visible at work. I'll see you next week. Bye for now. Today's episode was brought to you by 
Career Visibility Accelerator Program. Have you ever felt that sinking feeling of being left out? Then listen. There's a problem you face being a highly skilled foreign professional. If you're an immigrant, a self-funded expert, a newcomer, or have English as your second language, you've prepared for everything else, location, food, weather, a great house, schools for your kids if you have one, but you haven't prepared for the business side of selling your skills in a new environment. You might get a job just to pay the bills. Of course, we all have bills to pay, so that's understandable. But then you get sucked into just surviving. How do you get unstuck from that? And even if you got a job, how do you influence decision makers at work, confidently speak up at meetings, deal with the cultural differences that could affect your productivity and performance? You plan for every other thing else. And all of that is hinged on the work that you do. So, you need to plan for how you manage your talent, sell your skills, build your connections, and recertify to learn a new skill set. There comes Career Visibility Accelerator Program. It is here to help cut short that long, lonely, difficult process as a leading six-week virtual training program to help you stand out at work. If you're ready to take action, then join us and let's go all in. Visit www.visibleatwork.com. Sign up for the waitlist to learn about a proven framework to confidently share your transferable skills, articulate your value, and be the superstar you've always been. It's been tested, proven, and has helped skill the careers of many foreign professionals like you. Join the Career Visibility Accelerator program so you can make that shift from surviving to thriving. Visit www.visibleatwork.com and sign up for the waitlist today.